Face to Face, a Good Omens podfic written by Entangled Now and read by Job. Summary, in which Crowley finds himself in a tricky situation and needs a bit of a rescue. There are worse places to be stuck, Crowley supposes, though it's fair to say that he can't currently bring any to mind off the top of his head. It was his own stupid fault. That's the part that really stings. It had seemed like such a smart idea to hide from the boat soldiers just under the lip of the well. They'd been very persistent about searching everywhere else. Honestly, stowaway on a boat sailing the Greek islands and suddenly everyone wants to stick arrows in you. Once he'd underestimated how slick the sides were, he lost his grip and slipped all the way down, cracking his knee and scraping half the skin of his arm in the process. His last-minute desperate grab for the rope had only succeeded in snapping both the rope and the bar across the well, too. The soldiers hadn't found him. He was deciding to tentatively count that as a win. So here he is, forty feet down a well, on a strange island he's never been to before. It's been roughly half a day now, if the movement of the sun is any indication. He's lucky that there are protruding rocks a few feet beneath the water, a shelf just big enough to perch on behind him if he scrunches up a bit. He's still wet, but at least he doesn't have to tread water. Hopefully someone will find him before he starves. Or falls asleep and drowns. His hope gradually becomes more dented as the day wears on, the sun lowering in the sky, and he realizes he's facing a night inside the well, and the looming possibility of another day sitting in the water. That is, until he hears a familiar sound of a horse, circling the small temple grounds. The shuffle of dirt. Someone dismounting? He looks up and finds the light blocked by a figure reaching for the well bucket. Hey! Hey! Crowley waves frantically at the shape haloed in the last rays of the sun. The figure gives a start of surprise and promptly drops the bucket down the well. Crowley swears and throws his arms over his head, listening to wood crack and bang into the stone sides before thumping painfully into his shoulder and then splashing into the well between his legs, soaking him completely. I'm so sorry! I didn't see you! He takes a moment to blink water out of his eyes, and cuff it out of his mouth. Before he looks up again to find the stranger now peering over the edge. He's roughly the same age as him, broad-shouldered but soft about the face and chest, with pale hair and kind eyes. When Crowley had prayed to the gods to save him, he hadn't expected Aphrodite to send someone personally. You're the most beautiful thing I've seen all day, he tells the stranger. The man blinking down at him makes a strangled noise, cheeks going red, and Crowley can't help but breathe laughter. 
because he probably looks like some sort of cursed and soaking well monster from up there, which can't make the best first impression. By all the furies, what are you doing in there? He has a soft, friendly voice, but it's deep at the edges, the sort of voice that's quiet and comforting. Though Crowley thinks it could be strong and loud if it needed to be. Long story, Crowley starts, then realizes that's not true. No, scratch that, it's actually a pretty short story. I fell while hiding from soldiers. The beautiful man winces in sympathy, his hands lifting from the side of the well to press against each other. How awful! Are you quite all right? Crowley doesn't think anyone has ever asked him that question before. Mostly he was asked where he'd been and what trouble he'd gotten himself into now, followed by a few ungentle reminders about who he worked for, which is partly the reason he'd stowed away on a boat to start with. Yeah, I mean, I got a bit of a knock slipping down and I'm wet, tired and fairly hungry, but other than that, I can't complain. The stranger looks relieved, as if the thought of Crowley being injured had upset him. I'm Crowley, by the way, he adds, because it's only polite to exchange names. The man at the top of the well smiles, and it's like watching the bloody sunrise again. A Xerophil, he offers. Crowley sounds the name out, the letter strange on his tongue. Interesting name. It's actually fairly common for... Um, Xerophil stops. I think I have a rope with me that will stretch all the way down. I broke the bar, Crowley explains. It sounds a lot like an apology, but it can't be, because Crowley hasn't apologized for anything in years. And I don't think there are any trees close enough to tie it to. That won't be a problem, Aziraphil offers, as if the idea of hauling Crowley forty feet up without tying off the rope is nothing to be worried about. I'll be just a moment. For all the reassurance, Crowley's heart still pounds as he stares up at the slowly darkening sky. He can't help but think about being left there, being abandoned. He's a scarred, skinny thing, well past his prime, nothing to his name that isn't stolen, and his life isn't exactly full of good deeds and glory. It's easy to imagine someone finding the effort of hauling him out not ultimately worth it. But it's not even a few minutes before his rescuer appears at the lip of the well again, looping a long length of rope around one arm. The other he tips over the edge of the well, and Crowley watches it slowly fall towards him, hitting the water with barely a splash. I've made a loop in the end for you, Aziraphale tells him. Don't worry about climbing, just hold on tight. Crowley blinks in surprise, but obediently slips his drenched sandal into the tight end of the rope. He may be skinny, 
but he's tall and solid enough. He's also forty feet down on the end of a wet rope. Hauling him out hand over hand is going to be extremely difficult for one man. But he turns out to be wrong, because with no effort at all, Aziraphale starts the slow and careful process of pulling him up, while Crowley grips on tight. He rises in stages, watching Aziraphale's arms flex as he works the rope, a smile on his face the whole time, and Crowley can't help but smile back. Because who in Tartarus is this strong, friendly, handsome man? And is there the slightest chance that Crowley can keep him? I've never been rescued before. I'm not sure what's an appropriate thank you, he calls upwards. Oh, no thanks are needed. I'm just happy that I found you before nightfall. There's that smile again. The closer he gets, the more the man's pale hair glows in the setting sun, the bare curves of his shoulders shifting and flexing in a way Crowley can't help but appreciate. Not even a kiss? he asks, because why the hell shouldn't he try his luck? I hear that's traditional. Aziraphale's surprised noise and the wash of red across his cheeks is something to see. That soft moment of interest makes Crowley's insides squirm with hope, because he's fairly certain that this man likes him, and he can't think of anything he'd rather do once he's out of this well than get himself a kiss. But Aziraphale frowns a little and goes back to pulling. That's really not necessary, I assure you. I don't expect you to want to... I'm sure plenty of people are worried about you, and you're anxious to be home. The words are hurried out, as if Aziraphale is convincing himself, or bracing himself for disappointment. Crowley gets the impression he does that a lot. Nah, no one's going to be worried about me, Crowley reassures him as he slowly rises in the well. No home to get back to either, if I'm being honest. I'm not actually a hundred percent sure which island I'm on. I dropped off the ship the moment it docked. You're on Elonessos, Aziraphale tells him is really rather lovely. Not a lot of visitors, though, for various reasons. Well, that's a damn shame. Crowley can't imagine anyone not wanting to visit if Aziraphale is an example of their hospitality. He reaches out for the lip of the well and pulls, bringing him closer to Aziraphale's surprised face. His big arms are still holding Crowley's full weight as if it was nothing at all, which Crowley finds that he's very much into. Perhaps, if he plays his cards right, Aziraphale will be amenable to holding him again sometime. Crowley has one leg over the well when he finally looks down, expecting to see Aziraphale's legs his bare feet inside his sandals. Instead, 
he finds four narrow legs, covered in short hair, that end in large, glossy hooves. He can see the marks left in the dirt where they'd braced a Xerophil while he pulled Crowley up. You're a... Centaur, yes, Xerophil says, thankfully saving Crowley from accidentally blurting out horse. He would have spent a few minutes longer staring stupidly if he hadn't suddenly registered the faint note of apology in Aziraphale's voice, the way he's biting his lip uncertainly. I'm just surprised. I didn't expect so much of you, Crowley says honestly. Then he promptly half falls over the edge of the well, stumbling in the dust for a moment before two hands reach down and gently take hold of his arms, steadying him until he finds his feet. It's instinctive to reach out as well, to touch the warm bare skin where Xerophil's shirt has ridden up. He feels very solid and very strong. Never met a centaur before, Crowley admits. He'd heard a lot about them, of course, and their fondness for putting arrows in people, but he'd never met one. Oh, I promise we aren't all bloodthirsty and warlike. It's really just a few rather loud voices that got quite famous running off anything on two legs. Aziraphale looks down. Not that your two legs aren't lovely, he adds hurriedly, then immediately blushes. Crowley has never been so charmed and so amused before. Aziraphale is absolutely nothing like he'd ever expected a centaur to be. What do you like to do, Aziraphale? He asks with a delighted smile. If it's not putting arrows in people. Aziraphale looks surprised to be asked. He looks surprised that Crowley is still talking to him, quite frankly. Crowley would like to meet whoever it was that convinced him he wasn't worth talking to. I gave my bow away. I was never very good with it anyway. I collect books mostly, scrolls and tablets. The written word has always fascinated me. I've been transcribing some of the earliest records of the islands here. One of his front hoofs lifts and digs in the dirt, and it feels so much like an embarrassed foot shuffle that Crowley falls in love a little bit, completely against his will. I'm sure you wouldn't be interested in that sort of thing. I could be interested, Crowley decides. But first, I really do have to thank you for saving me. I told you that wasn't necessary, Aziraphale starts, but Crowley has already reached up to catch a fistful of his soft leather collar, rising up on his toes to reach him. His mouth covers Aziraphale's when it's still halfway through a word, though he very quickly stops trying to talk and kisses Crowley back instead, with a surprised noise of enthusiastic pleasure. Crowley genuinely only means to kiss him for a moment, 
But Aziraphale's mouth is warm and new and so willing to be kissed. It's easy to push it gently open, to let the kiss become something deep and wet. A moan dragged out of his throat when Aziraphale seems enthusiastic for that, too. Strong hands slide down to grip Crowley's waist and draw him in, even as Aziraphale's upper body curves down. Crowley's half off the floor before he realizes it, his hands tangled in the perfect white fluff of the centaur's hair. They kiss for far longer than he meant to, neither of them willing to draw apart, the wet slide and press of Aziraphale's mouth leaving his skin feeling tight, heat spreading low in his abdomen. Crowley has never kissed anyone like this while still vertical, let alone someone he's only just met. There's a rumble in Aziraphale's throat, a sharp flick of horsetail, and one of his back legs lifts slightly and kicks, the motion separating them. They do nothing but stare at each other for a moment, breathing hard. Crowley doesn't try to go in for another kiss. Instead, he laughs and lets his feet regain the floor, fixes the centaur's short sleeveless coat. Consider that a thank you, he says. Thank you, Aziraphale repeats a little breathlessly. His mouth is wet, his cheeks warm and red, and Crowley wants to kiss him again. He doesn't think a lot of people have kissed Aziraphale, which feels like an absolute fucking tragedy. Today has improved immensely, Crowley decides. He's half tempted to go back in the well so Aziraphale can rescue him again. Oh, you are so very lovely, Aziraphale sighs out, without meaning to if the way he immediately bites his lip is any indication. You're lovely too, Crowley tells him honestly, his nose crunching in delight, if a little unexpected. But I think I'd like to see this book collection of yours, and maybe get out of my wet clothes, if you're amenable. Aziraphale gives a shy smile, nodding down at him. I like that. I don't have any trousers you can borrow, I'm afraid, but I have blankets and I can make a fire to dry yours. Oh, and something to eat, of course. You mentioned you were hungry. And perhaps I could read you something, if you liked, while you waited for your clothes to dry. He looks flustered mouth working for a moment, as if to rein some of his obvious enthusiasm back. Crowley's fingers curl, drawing Aziraphale in a little closer, the scuff of his hoofs in the dirt, making his whole body sway gently. The horsey smell of him is clean and slightly sweet, and judging by the way he shivers under the slow drift of Crowley's fingers, the place naked waist changes to horsehair is very sensitive. Crowley thinks he might get lucky tonight. He's not entirely sure how that's going to work, but he's willing to find out.
the end.